great leaders can encourage us to reach new heights and achieve more than we ever thought possible. But what makes a great leader? And why pursue a leadership role in the first place? Welcome to the VMUG Inspirational Leadership Podcast, where we share the stories of leaders at all levels who desire to inspire those under their care. Welcome, everybody, to the Inspirational Leadership Podcast brought to you by VMUG. My name is Nick Cordy. I'm a staff solution engineer at VMware. Hi, everyone. My name is Michael Fleischer, and I'm a senior staff core solution engineer at VMware. And today with us, we have Brad Mutz. Brad, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure, Michael. Thank you. Uh, my name is Bradley Mott. I'm a director for our global support organization here at VMware. I've uh, been with VMware about 10 years. I uh, started back in 2012 as a storage engineer, actually, before uh, moving kind of up and into the ranks and uh, into management and then leadership on the VMware side. Well, as part of our format, we always have three questions that we want to ask the leaders that join the podcast. So we're just going to rapid fire out of the gate, Brad, and go from there. Does that work for you? Yeah, that sounds great. What do you think the difference is between a manager and a leader? Between a manager and a leader? I like this question. I think uh, it's a good one. You're going to get some interesting responses to it. You know, I think we've all seen the uh, the graphic, right, of the manager who's kind of standing above a team pulling a rock. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the one who jumps in front and the one that jumps in front and helps him pull is the leader. You know, I, I like the, I like that graphic. I like that idea that a leader is someone who kind of helps get the job done. But I think more than that, you know, like a, to me, a manager is someone who makes sure that a job gets done and that's kind of all they do, right? Uh, end to end, that's really the, the expectation is just that you're meeting whatever goal that you need to meet. You're doing whatever work that you need to do. Uh, and that, you know, you manage that team by making sure that gets done. Um, and from a from a leadership perspective, uh, it's more about the the vision of that job. It's making sure that there's no roadblocks, you know, to getting those things done. It's driving strategy uh, overall for why you're pulling those rocks. As an example, it's not about helping. It's not making sure that you're taking up, you know, a, a portion of the work that's exactly the same as someone else. But it's really making sure that um, that you can do the job, that the that people are inspired to to do the work and to excel, uh, at, you know, at it doing it the best way possible and then kind of getting other things out of the way <laughs> that might be impacting performance or, or ability to, to achieve a goal. I really like that. The almost as if the manager classification is the taskmaster, if you will, but the leader is really truly enabling his or her people to go forth and do the things. Yeah. Yeah. And make sure that, I mean, if there are better ways to do it or if someone's kind of falling behind because they don't understand why we're doing it, that it's you know really your job to inspire. It's your job to make sure that, that everyone who's capable of doing the job, right? Really uh, finding finding what motivates people, finding what gets that job done. What, what I find from a leadership position is that the job is going to do itself if you take care of your people in the right way, right? If you make sure that they have the ability to get the job done uh, and, and that the environment is such that they feel you know valued and rewarded, uh, that job's going to do itself, you know, with, with obviously buy-in from those employees. Um, and that's to me is the difference between you know, a manager and a leader is that a manager will, will take you to task and make sure that those things get done. Uh, whereas a leader gives you the environment and the inspiration to, to do the job because you want, because you want to, because you can, and, and because it, it's, you know, that, that's kind of the goal uh, that everyone wants to achieve together. The inspiring, the motivation, the connection of why the thing is important. That's something that not, everyone as an individual contributor always gets. And those are very good qualities of great leaders. Are there other qualities you see a great leader 
really needs to possess in addition to those? It's always interesting for me on uh, in that area too. I, I was actually at an internal VMware conference recently where we were talking about you know taking kind of a personality test of the team to say here are the four quadrants that you fit into from a personality perspective, uh, and two of them, uh, my my quadrant included, uh, were the kind of the decision makers, the strong-willed people, you know, and, and people when they think about leaders. Uh, someone in the conference said, "Oh, this is this must be where all the leaders come from," you know, the the strong-willed quadrant, the the doers. And I kind of laugh because I think that's that's where we expect leaders to come from, right? Like we want strong leaders who who make the decisions and, and move us forward. Um, but I think that, you know, e even more than that is that ability to inspire, um, which for me has been in a very like rooted in a very strong amount of storytelling. And that would be something that I would say that leaders need to have is the ability to inspire or the ability to tell stories. So you, you can go through a career uh, without necessarily needing to inspire anyone, right? You can manage if you want to and, and be a manager. But understanding uh, rhetoric as as something to to you know speak to, uh, understanding the idea of that, I, that I'm speaking to you logically, or I'm speaking to you emotionally, or I'm speaking to you, you know, from a from a place of credibility, whether that's tech or otherwise, uh, is really I, I think very important. Being able to have those conversations and know which one you're appealing to and why. Um, is a is a huge part of of being a leader for me, uh, and getting people to kind of join your cause and and take up arms, you know, in, in that leadership side with you and and believe in what you're selling uh, to a degree. Sorry, I would definitely say a great dose of storytelling uh, as an ability makes a great leader. Uh, again, on top of everything we've already talked about, right? <laughs> in and of itself, great storytellers may not be great leaders, but it, it's great to to feel that inspiration to know that people are willing to step in behind this person and, and line up to help them out and achieving those goals makes a good leader in my book. I love that. One of my favorite phrases is um, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. So yes, <laughs> you need to have a good story, but good leaders should always be able to tell stories as well as motivate people to do the best that they can. And I love that you pulled that out. You said that you need to find what motivates people and drive them to their to become their best. And then your job is nothing. You just sit there and make people happy <laughs> in the best of yeah. ways. So speaking of which, speaking of motivation, what advice do you have for others that are looking to pursue leadership at one point in their career? And basically just how do they determine that it's right for them? It's another good question. I like all these questions. So, and this has come up actually a couple of times, both with people on my team or, or people in my career. I've, I've gone back and forth between uh, obviously being, being an individual contributor and being a leader. If you look over my, my resume, I've got, you know, went into tech leadership. I think I was leading a team of like 53 when I was 19 internationally. I just kind of waltzed into this position by accident and ended up in a leadership role uh, and did that for a number of years before I'm going back to, you know, coming to VMware as an engineer and, and learning up and, and then realizing I really, I, I can do more than this, right? I like to drive business direction. I'd like to get back into uh, leadership. And so I guess my, my advice would be um, to anyone who, who is thinking that direction, right? Whether you're, you're getting older and the tech's not coming fast, you know, as fast as it used to or whatever the reason, it's not going to be about you anymore. Uh, and that's something interesting to realize. You know, most of my experience in this area comes from VMware. So it's going to be a lot of that experience that I talk about. But we get a lot of really interesting opportunities like this one, right? We, we get a lot of cool stuff we get to do from around VMware, whether it's on stage, whether it's whatever, uh, that, that, you know, different different things that come up. And I was used to getting all of those, right? It was fun to go speak at VMworld and, and teach and, and, you know, be invited to courses to teach and things like that. And then coming, becoming a leader, it's kind of like, oh, that would be so cool. I'd love to go do that. But probably someone from my team should get that opportunity. You know, like it's probably good that I pass those along. Uh, and so you do kind of take on this, 
this background role as you become a leader because you want to promote those people in front of you who are going to be the leaders of your team from an individual perspective, right? Uh, and so be prepared for that would be advice that I would give. Uh, be ready to kind of step into the, the background a little bit uh, in a good way, right? Because you get to kind of grow other leaders and build people underneath you and, and let them develop and, and flex those skills, uh, which I think is very good. I like the fact that you mentioned it's not about the accolades. It's about giving the team the chance to do some of those things, the extracurriculars, right? The things that really can help them stand out. Yeah. And I love that you said that this is a fun thing to do. That makes me very happy, Brad. Appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's this, you know, it's this kind of stuff where a lot of us derive our value from these types of things that we get to do that maybe aren't our day to day. You know, and, and I and I come from support. And so that's definitely a, a place where stasis is kind of the desired state, right? I have the same number of cases today as I did yesterday. So I'm good. I closed as many as I got, right? Uh, that might not be rewarding for a lot of people. And so the idea that we get these other opportunities, and, and that could be any job, that's not just, you know, support, but anything that you get to do that's kind of a perk. If, if that's what you're rewarded by, you may see less of those directly as a leader. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't. It just means that you need to understand and derive pleasure from the idea that your team is going to get those instead. And so it's really to me about making sure that, you you know, it's not just for you. There's no, I don't think anybody goes into leadership for the money. I mean, maybe if you can go straight to CEO, that might be a great way to do it. But I don't think anybody starts here to, you know, to, for the money. But what do you mean? Um, you can't just jump right to CEO? That's what we're telling the listener? <laughs> right. Well, if you're starting your own company, that's a different podcast, I think. But great idea. Different podcast. The inspirational uh, CEO podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think, um, you, you want to be sure you're, you're getting into it for your people, right? Because it's going to be very much about the team that you lead and how you lead it. Um, and, and if you do well and you achieve your goals and you can drive, you know, or build leaders underneath you, then you, there, there's kind of this tidal wave that just happens where you keep moving in, you know, a positive direction with your career as well. Uh, but those people come first. Overall, the advice that I would give. Go read Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, it's a fantastic book. Uh, it's I'm trying to remember who the author is, but I'm I'm failing at that right now. I, I can't remember either. That. But that is an excellent book. Yeah, Mitch Album. Mitch there Album you go. is the author. Yeah, uh, and it's a it's a fantastic book about what it what it means to be a person, right? How it how it matters to interact with other people, uh, and where you're going to leave those legacies. And I think that for the emotional side of leadership, that's a that's a very good start starting point, especially if you if you aren't good at that emotional quotient side of things, right? Or you've never had to consider that. I think that's a great idea. Go read the book Dark uh, Dark Horse by Todd Rose. Um, I have it on a bookshelf behind me, uh, but it's a, a fantastic book. It talks about kind of the idea that you may have a career and one day you just switch careers. You, you go from being a, a top executive at a company to you know, owning a, owning a shoe shop, right. And people who have done that successfully and turned that into multi-million dollar in, investments. And it's not about becoming the CEO. It's about finding what truly drives you to, to feel like your day was successful. Uh, so I, I use the wrong term, but something like micro micro motivators or motivators in general, but kind of what gets you through your day. Um, and so it's good to read that. Not because I don't think, ever, you know, not because all of us are going to go start our own companies or change careers, uh, but to understand, you know, how do you find what drives people? Um, and, and talking them through that career journey of their own. Uh, you're going to spend a lot of time doing that as a leader, uh, you know, helping others find what inspires them, how to drive their careers, or you should anyway, as a leader. And that's a, it's a great book to do it. That's incredible. I love that you, you talk so much about your team and making your team happy and whole and the best versions of themselves. So speaking of which, how do you create a positive team culture? 
I, I think uh, my employees would tell you that every everybody's my friend, uh, which uh, it's always good to have, you know, that, that very positive uh, discussion with your teams. Not like in a Michael Scott way from the office, right? No, <laughs> not, not quite like that. I think it's important that, that you relate to, you know, the people that you manage. I think that really helps to drive a team culture that, you know, there, there's a level at which that's good and a level like Michael Scott where maybe that isn't so good. But there, you know, it's important to have some mixture of that. I also do think it's important, and this, this is going to kind of be a, a counter argument to, to many today, but uh, I think it's important that you performance manage um, both for, for good and for bad, right? I mean, when you have someone on your team that, that maybe isn't a good fit or they're not achieving goals in the same way that the rest of the team is, if you don't follow through on that, if you don't, you know, have the conversations that might be tough, it can it can impact team morale overall because it's not a positive culture for people who maybe are doing the hard work and are meeting those goals. So a healthy dose of carrot and a healthy dose of stick when you need it, right? I, I know that's a it's a tougher conversation to have, but I think it does lead to to a good team outcome overall um, and really a, overall, you know, a positive uh, mentality and, and team culture. That's a great point. I could see being able to as a leader maybe make an impact report that says I enabled my team to go and do all these extracurricular things that are making my team and my organization stand out. My question, I guess, is what do you recommend in terms of best ways to communicate with leaders to let you know, hey, I want to go and do these things like speaking at events or or I want to give some feedback of the chain, maybe. Because you, you mentioned you got a performance manage. Would you want employees to do the same for you? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a it's a great question. And um yes I would. You know, I think that uh managing up is part of everyone's responsibility to a degree. Um and, and you'll you will find that you'll have managers that are, you know, accepting of that and then you may have managers that aren't. But no, I think it's important that we always talk about kind of what's what's missing in a job, right? Potentially or or what we could do better. Uh, whether that's as an employee, as a leader, or whatever, uh, you know, there are always situations where we can make things better, and and I do expect that of my team. Um, when I when I bring on a new member to my team, I tell them the relationship that I want with you is where you can tell me anything, right? And I can tell you anything, uh, and you know, we're, we may not start there, but I hope we get there, right? Because it's important that we give feedback in both directions, and that um, I don't I don't think I'm perfect. Well, okay, maybe I think I'm perfect, but I don't believe I'm perfect, uh, and so. It's good to have a, a good dose of that and, and understand that from employees. We may see that as well. I can certainly appreciate the wanting to have that open communication stream, especially in your line of work. I mean, we're talking about global support, a team of people who gets constantly told something is busted, broken. I have to imagine that that enables you to de-escalate situations better, having that kind of rapport. It does. I would say that 90% of my job is setting appropriate expectations uh, and, not, and not trying to change expectations, but just to make sure that we are all on the same page about where we're going, what we're doing, when to expect an update. And it's all around communication. It's all around the use of, of rhetoric, like we talked about, all the, you know, the, the ways that we communicate with people and, and telling the right story. And not to say that we you know, lie or hide the truth about something, but just making sure that everyone understands. You know, we, we share the same point uh, from a from a conversation perspective or a technical perspective that we know where we are. Yeah, it's been extremely beneficial in in my career and also working with customers. And, and I think that's a that's a day to day life thing, right? I mean, met expectations are where happiness lives or, or where it grows from, right? When we meet expectations, we or when our expectations are met, we tend to be happy and that can be work or life or relationships or whatever. 
Uh, and when things don't meet our expectations, that's when life kind of goes sideways. And same thing for support or interactions with any company. Yeah. I remember a marriage seminar I was at one time and they said that anger is the result of unmet expectations. And I've never forgotten it. I would agree. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and especially in support. So speaking of customers, so I used to be a customer. So I used to be a global VMware architect. And basically, I did not know how to turn off. Um, I would you know, get up in the middle of the night and check my phone for alerts. And I just I did not know how to turn off. In your role, or in, you know, in GSS in general, how do you turn off? What's your, what's your secret sauce to know when to pull the plug and not remain and worry about what's going on in, in the queue, as it were? Uh, Michael, you're talking to the wrong guy, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I don't, uh, I, I also tend not to turn off. Uh, this is something that just from a, a responsibility perspective, um, and this is actually, this, this ties back to our conversation around becoming a leader. To a degree, I, I run a global team. Um, there's not just one center that I'm responsible for. I have team, uh, a team that works throughout the world in different regions. And so no matter what time of day it is, you know, you're always working with somebody from my group if it's with a storage escalation or something like that inside support. And so, uh, I tend to work uh, weird hours. I tend to work some non-standard hours with my team if needed. But when you when you become a leader, you kind of take on this this mantle of responsibility, this mantle of leadership, right? That that uh, you know, I would say that you wear it is a weight that you wear as a leader, um, whether that's you know you're on shift or off shift or whatever. Uh, and I think as a manager, that can be even worse. I would say than an individual contributor because we all have those areas where we're responsible for what we do. You know, we're either proud of our output or we're not, maybe whether we that's at home or at work. But uh, as, as a leader, that gets bigger. Uh, as you move up in leadership, that gets heavier. Um, and so I would say that the way that I manage that or the way that I tend to kind of look at this day to day is that you, you work hard when you're working um, and then make sure that you schedule that off time where you're just not responsible, right? Because that's the only way to get rid of that mantle of leadership for me, at least is, I'll schedule, you know, wild vacations uh, when I can, where it's like, no, I'm really going to be out of cell phone service. There's nothing I could do if I want to, right? And and for me, that's the extreme I have to take it to is, no, I, I put myself in a position where I literally can't be responsible. That's uh, the best that's, way to do it. Yeah, that, that's how I have to. That's how I have to do it in my life. But you know, I would say that whether that's a, a big thing or a small thing, or or four days or thirty minutes, you know, find those time frames where you can do that. Um, but that'd be my advice to others. I don't do it very well myself. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm terrible at it. Was back then, still am today. Uh, recently, I, <laughs> I went on a uh, deep sea fishing trip off the coast of San Diego and I was off the grid. And that was the first time I'd really been off the grid in a long time. I have a, a six, a four and a two year old. So there's no ever turning off in my life, whether yeah. it's work or personal. But being off the grid like that was super helpful for my mental state. Not for my stomach because the, the waves were a lot, but for my mental state, that was um, that was what I needed. So I, I agree with you there that sometimes being being somewhere you literally have to pull the plug <laughs> is uh, what is needed. Yeah, it's cathartic to get that disconnection. How about that perceived difference in must be turned on and plugged in between the frontline manager and once you go up to the director level? I would say it's definitely different. You know, it's uh, I would say it's different and that you have obviously peers, right? In, in most instances, at least in most businesses today, uh, if you if you're a global organization, you're going to have someone that you can hand off to at a certain time of day, right? Uh, at least in support will be a great example of that. Sometimes if you're the only IT manager at a job, you know that's not going to be the case, or you're on call for your systems and things like that. It I, it's different when when you're kind of at that front line for sure, because hopefully you do have that other resource. As you move up, uh, I think it does get worse, right? I mean, you, you're going to have fewer of those peers uh, that you can reach out to in any job, really. 
And you really have to build the people that you trust underneath you if you ever want to disconnect. Uh, if you do want to take that that deep sea fishing adventure or uh, maybe that evening to yourself, even though the system's down, it really is about kind of managing those underneath you and making sure that you have that strong team that you can depend upon uh, to get some time away. Uh, and if any of my team is listening to this, that's not the, the reason that I don't disconnect is not because I don't trust you, uh, but that it's important to build those people that you can. And, and you know, and I do tr uh, trust my team, <laughs> but I, I talk to people about the, the the span of people that I manage today, right? Because uh, I manage around 70 people, 60, 70 people somewhere in there today. And, and I've talked to people who just say, ah, oh, wow, I can't imagine, you know, being responsible for that many people. And how do you keep them on task and make sure they're getting their work done? And, and I kind of laugh. So I'm like, no, I don't, I don't manage 70 people. You know, I manage maybe seven and they make sure everybody else does the job. Right. <laughs> so it's about those trusted advisors for sure. And, and, and they can definitely help you disconnect in certain ways. Um, I don't worry about what every single one of those 60 or 70 people are doing day to day. Uh, that's a big weight off my mind to know I've got the right people in place. Um, but to me, that's the difference as you kind of move up that ladder or move into those leadership positions is, you know, making sure you've got the right people below you as well. Once you reach a certain level of leadership, let's say it's director level or otherwise, what's the career path like for you? And, you know, is it is is up the only trajectory that's available? I have had a pretty crazy ride at VMware as it stands today, right? I, I will say that I've uh, had some fantastic mentors that have kind of brought me to where I am. Uh, I've, I've done a ton of work. You know, I, I don't think it's without a, without some work on my side, but um, having having come up the ladder the way I have and, and stepped into leadership and been lucky enough to kind of get to the position I am today, career pathing is interesting. There's this perception of people at a leadership level kind of being in, in the medieval kingdom building and things like that, and you've got to get more staff and more responsibilities, and that's how you move up the ladder. And uh, it, to me, it's about strategy and vision, you know, like if, uh, and again, I think it's a different podcast, uh, but we, we can talk about kind of where I plan to be in, in three years or five years from a, a business perspective, right? Um, because that's part of what I have planned out today. I'm always thinking about where do I go next, right? How do I, how do I have the, the strategy that's going to be successful in three years or in five years? Uh, and the hope is, you know, Maybe that will build a kingdom. Maybe it won't because I'm going to be refocusing on a smaller responsibility level and, and doing it better, right, than, than what I am today. I, I think those are kind of things that are important to career path. You know, I've, I've looked at things to, to your point about like, would I ever consider something like an architectural? I mean, I've been, I haven't touched a technical case in five years, so I would be a little rusty and I don't pick up the tech like I used to. So I think management's probably a good path for me in the future, but. You know, whether that's up, whether it's a, you know, a step down to a senior leader at a different company or a vice president at some company someday. Um, I, I think it's open. You know, I think that, uh, you can go either direction for sure. And even back to tech at some point, if you wanted to, I don't think there's a, a one way door on this at all. See, that's a great point for everybody listening. If you're in leadership, if you're an individual contributor and you switch between them, you can go back. There's always a way back. I don't know how easy it is because I've never switched between the two. But it's not like you choose management and you're locked in forever. Yeah. Yeah. We do a great job of, uh, you know, hiring for skills, right? I think that's something that VMware is really good at is hiring for, for skills. Um, and a lot of companies are. And so if you have the tech skills, easy to go back and forth, you know, no matter what your, what your career path is. Um, I think, I think if I went and applied for a, an IT manager position today, they might say, uh, but you've been a director, you know, and I'd have to explain that. Yeah, well, but I want to come learn the tech. I mean, and that's actually what I did when I came to VMware. Um, I was from kind of an IT manager position. I'd been leading a small team for a Fortune 500 company. Uh, and the first question in the door was, why would you want to go back to being a technician? 
Uh, and for me, it was. It was passionate about the technology. It was, you know, kind of the belief that VMware is magic, which uh, it's still that's still a strong belief that I have with certain technologies of ours. But yeah, I mean, it's a definitely from a from a skills perspective. If you have the skills and and you can tell the story, you know, I think that you can definitely move, make the move back and forth. I love that. It it really does all come down to passion, and that's what I attempt to tell everybody. Right? It's like do what makes you happy. Do what. It, you're supposed to do you'll know you'll know right like, <laughs> there's something yeah. that you, you have to you always kind of have to have that north star of here's where i want to go but be happy doing what you're doing and be happy on that path the path to the 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 golden star as it were absolutely well and and share those passions with your you know your leadership whether that's because you want to get into management or whatever it's a um so i travel a lot uh, personally it's one thing like that's kind of my disconnect is travel and Throughout my entire career with VMware, I would always have those conversations with whatever manager I had. And I went through a, a couple, right? We, we had some some changes as I was at VMware. I kept changing managers year over year sometimes. And I would always tell them, you know, like, hey, my big passions are training and education and travel. And so any opportunity that comes up for you for that, just let me know. Happy to go do it, right? Uh, and I've said I've had some fantastic mentors. I've had some really good leaders that have given, given me those opportunities. Um, but I'm always upfront about uh, my, my passions, what kind of drives me. Uh, and that's why I recommend the, the dark horse book because I like it. I can directly say these are the things that, that make me feel fulfilled at a job. And it's almost a checklist of, you know, Mr. Leader, whoever that is, here's how you can make me happy in my role. Right. And, and as a leader, what a, what a great list to get from an employee of like, Oh, I just have to do these things. Great. You know, absolutely. I can, we'll just hit as many of these boxes as I can. I want to make you happy, you know? Um, and so giving that and saying, here are the passions and, and here's how I derive enjoyment from my job uh, is a great way to not only get recognized, but to get those opportunities kind of funneled your way when they come along. It's so awesome. So I've heard multiple times over the years that you can't learn about leadership until you're in the seat. Uh, can you can you give us some of the unknowns that you have found throughout your uh, your tenure in leadership and just, sure. just share with the audience here? Uh, yeah, you know, it's... um. I was kind of like, this goes back a couple of years, but I was kind of shocked, uh, honestly, by, um, I'll call it the Tuesdays with Maury side of a, of the business. My, my first week as a manager, I had an employee come up and said, ah, oh, man, I'm just having a terrible day and went through this probably 30 minute story of all these things that had gone wrong in, in their day and, and why they were struggling. Uh, and they got to the end of the story and I said, okay, and how can I help? You know, and, and they looked at me, you oh, know, I don't, I don't want you to help. I just wanted you to know. And I was like, okay, well, thank you. You know, and they left, and that was the end of the conversation. And I was kind of like, "What just happened? Like, what am I, what am I doing? Why does this, why does this matter, right?" Um, but for for that individual, that was the start of this relationship where I kind of know where they are day to day. They kind of know where I am, and then we can maybe share this, like, share this experience of of struggling in certain areas of life, even because that was part of what made them passionate about their job, right? Is this kind of relationship with their manager where I'm I'm going to want to know about this, right? And it, and it can be time consuming, right? But it, it's a it's a correct investment of time, you, even though I may not have any outcomes. I might not have any action items that I take away to help with this person. It's important to invest in that time. Uh, and so that was kind of a, a shock to me. I was not the most empathetic person uh, as an individual contributor. I will say I'm getting better. I'm doing a lot better these days. Um, but I think it was part of you know leadership that led to that. And, and I think that uh, I've mentioned kind of the, the difference where you're going to see opportunities go to other people, right? They're going to go to your team instead of you. Uh, and then that can be a trade-off, but the reward that you can find from that uh, is is pretty awesome. Uh, and it, and it may not even come today. Back at the start of my career, uh, similarly, I was in a management position and I helped out someone in a different country. Uh, and it was 
they put in all the work. I just had to give them an opportunity and they took it and ran with it. And I didn't meet them in person for probably 12 or 14 years because they were working in Costa Rica at the time. And until I got to VMware, I never had a chance to go back to Costa Rica. Uh, but I wrote that person and said, you know, hey, I'm actually, I'm finally going to be in San Jose. You know, do you want to meet? Can we have dinner? Whatever it is. And when I went down and, and met them, uh, he said, I don't know if you know this, but like that opportunity changed my life. Uh, and that to me is kind of the ultimate thing that you can do as as a leader is give someone the opportunity and then just watch them run wild with it. Uh, so investing in your people, everybody knows it. You know, we all talk about that. We go to seminars about that. Uh, you're talking about how to inspire and things like that. But this is a, a real world thing that you can you know change somebody's life forever potentially. And you need to, and and you need to understand that that's going to be your reward. Right? That's going to be where you get to feel the type of opportunity that you used to get from having the, having these these cool things come your way. Uh, they come to your employees instead, um, and that but that's okay, right? Because you're going to trade that off for other things within your your leadership team or, or within your leadership experience uh, as your employees grow and succeed as well. And the reward doesn't come right then. Exactly, it might be a decade and a half away, but it's coming. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much, Brad, for joining us and sharing some guidance for listeners out there. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's been a great time. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Inspirational Leadership Podcast brought to you by VMUG. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to nominate a leader to be on the show, please tweet out to at myVMUG. Until next time, may you not be afraid to take the lead.